Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. We're going to be in uh, the book of Samuel today, 1 Samuel. So um, we're continuing a series. It's a six-part series that we, it's called Here Am I. Uh, It's going to carry us actually all the way through Christmas. Um, In it, we are, we're going through the pages of Scripture We're tracing this theme through the pages of scripture and through the lives of the community of faith of people who've gone before us, who've walked this faith journey before us. And what we're looking at is people who had an encounter with God where God got their attention personally, called them by name, spoke to them in some fashion, and they responded and said, here am I. And we're looking with what happened after these people gave God their here am I. We looked at this in the the first uh, week. We said, this, this, the Hebrew word that we translate in three words is English. We either translate it as here am I or here I am. It's actually one word in Hebrew. It's the word uh, hineni. And the translation is, it, it's more than just saying I'm here as in like a roll call. Like, you know, hey, I'm here, present, and accounted for. It's actually a, a statement of here I am, I'm available. It's a posture of the heart and an and anticipation that if you speak, I will obey. I'm here, I'm, I'm listening. What do you want to say to me? This is, this is what we're looking at. And so we're, we're looking at all these people and there's an amazing variety. We've got people of different uh, time periods, different ages. We've got very old people that said, here am I. We've got very young people that said, here am I. We've got people from different time periods and different capacities and different circumstances. And we've got, we've got uh, many of them are, are men. We've got one of them that's a really young girl. But what happens when they give God their hineni is, is an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's actually them being woven into God's story of what God's doing throughout all creation. So today we come to Samuel. Samuel's a young boy. His story is actually 350 years approximately after the story that, that Pastor Brent took us through last week of Moses. So we, we jump forward 350 years. There's this young boy named Samuel, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of um, background about him. But before I do that, I wanna say this. I got into the story. Each one of these stories is unique. They each have their own story, their own circumstances, their own outcome. But when I got to Samuel, I realized what happens in his is actually the foundation for all of these here am I moments. And not just for all of these moments that we're looking at in here, but for your story and my story. In fact, I wrote it, I wrote it this way. Everything about our lives hinges on what happens in Samuel's story. And I want to say that again, because I, I, I thought about that and I thought, am I overstating that? Is, that? is that a little bit of pastoral exaggeration? I don't think it is. Everything about your life hinges on what happens in Samuel's story. So let's look at what we find out about him. Uh, Here's Samuel. Uh, We're going to pick up in chapter three. So let me just summarize what we know about him from chapters one and two. Samuel was born in special circumstances to Elkanah and Hannah, who previously experienced years of infertility. After praying and pledging her son, should, should God give her one to be set apart for lifelong service to God, Hannah finally conceived. 
and Hannah made good on her vow. And as a young boy, Samuel was delivered into the care of Eli the priest for helping at the tabernacle. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the big setup. Um, so a couple dynamics that you might relate to. First of all, Samuel is being raised not by his natural father. He's being raised by what we might say is a stepfather. Okay, he's got a spiritual father and a stepfather. But, um, but if you've had that experience of being raised by someone else, um, you can probably relate to some of the things that Samuel may have experienced. Additionally, uh, Samuel literally grew up in the church. Anybody in here would say that your experience is like, yeah, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. Like, and when I say that, I mean literally. I spent more time on our church campus than I did in my home for all 12 years of my education because it was not only my church, it was also my school. And it was where I went for my social life. For, it's where I played basketball and soccer. It's where I did after-school activities. Like, I lived at the church. And like Samuel, I, I didn't have a lot of ownership in that. I didn't have a lot of agency in that, okay? I didn't, I didn't hate it, but somebody else had chosen that for me. Samuel grew up in the tabernacle, which is the, that's like the, the building that, or the, the structure that predated the, the physical temple. Physical temple was built and it was, it was, it was a brick and mortar you know, building. The tabernacle was a tent that moved, but it was the same idea. He grew up in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the church. And he didn't have a lot of agency because his mom actually chose this for him before he was born. And as we meet Samuel in the story, he's never actually had a personal encounter with God yet. He's there because of somebody else's choice. But when God speaks to him, he has the opportunity to say, here am I. Meanwhile, so that's what we know about Samuel. Meanwhile, uh, here's what we know about Eli the priest who is elderly at this point. Uh, His family's already been raised And we're not gonna get into this that much, but you need to know this in order to understand the passage. Uh, Eli's sons have taken his place as the um, active duty in the priesthood, but they don't know God. They don't worship God. They don't listen to God. They've never given God their hinene, hinene. In fact, they're pretty corrupt. They're using their spiritual authority, their positional power in an abusive way to take from the people they're supposed to be serving. They're not, they're not there serving the, the congregation of Israel. They're taking from them, sometimes by force. They're forcibly sleeping with the women who, who serve at the, as greeters at the temple. Like this, and scripture's pretty, pretty honest about it, very honest. This is a bleak time in Israel's history. Let's jump into chapter three. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place, lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Now, I I bolded a few things on this slide just to to highlight them because there's some interesting things. This is a setup. And there's some contrasting things that are happening here. Notice that Eli is sleeping in his own place while Samuel is sleeping as close to the interior of the temple as he can get. He's sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant, which is, if you know all of the Hebrew scriptures, that's unheard of. But it says something, and the author thinks this is worth noting because it's a contrast. It's like they're going two different directions. One is, is beginning to distance himself from God, and one is leaning in. We're gonna see what happens with that. Eli the priest 
we're told that his eyesight, his physical eyesight is diminishing. And it seems to be representative of his spiritual insight as well and the spiritual senses of the nation as a whole. In fact, the author tells us that, that the word of the Lord was rare and there was no frequent vision anymore. And, you know, Eli, at this time, the way things worked, the current, under this covenant, the way that God was interacting with people is he would speak to a few leaders who then spoke on his behalf to the people. But here we've got Eli who is moving away from God and can no longer see physically or spiritually. But in the middle of this, we have this, this little uh, ray of hope in the dark silence. And it's this boy, Samuel, who is actually leaning into God. Verse four, then the Lord called and said, Samuel, Samuel, he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. I don't know the tone here, but I, at some point this gets a little bit like, uh, <laughs> I did not call you, lie down again. Now, Samuel, here's where we, this is where I said, Samuel didn't have agency. He doesn't know the Lord himself yet. Samuel did not yet know the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse eight, the Lord called Samuel again, the third time. And he rose and he went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, his, his household from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his household forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. This is a sobering thing that God says to this little boy. And you see that it's not a message for him. It's actually a message for Eli. And Eli is supposed to be the one that's, that's hearing God, not only for himself, but for everyone else. And when God wants to speak to him, now he has to speak through a little boy because Eli is not listening. This is actually the second time this message has come. If you look back in chapter two that we didn't read, that God was, was trying to get his attention and God sent some anonymous prophet. We don't even know his name, but he came and he gave a warning to, to Eli about what his sons were doing. And there's been a gap in between that warning from the anonymous prophet and this announcement from the little boy Samuel. And in that gap, which we don't know how long it was, but Eli had time to respond. He had time to, to throw himself and his family on God's mercy and repent and turn. But apparently he's not done that. And so now when God says, okay, you've had time to address this. You've had time to repent. You've had time to throw yourself on my mercy, which I've, I've said, if you throw yourself on my mercy, it will go well for you. But he hasn't done it. He said, okay, now I'm going to intervene on behalf of my people. Corrupt spiritual leadership is not something that God takes lightly. That's a sobering word for many of us. 
God is speaking to others through, through Eli, or to Eli through others. Why is he not listening? I think probably guilt or shame. Many of you have experienced this. I've experienced this. I suspect many of you have. That when there's sin in my life, I don't want to be near God. The sin separates us from God, not on God's side. This goes back to the Garden of Eden when, when our, you know, the Garden of Eden is this picture of intimacy, intimate connection and relationship between God and his creation. The description in Genesis 1 and 2 is that, that God would come in the evening and, and speak with his, with his people. And that intimacy was broken when mankind sinned and we immediately began hiding from him. God still came. God, God is not separated from us by our sin. We're separated from God by our sin. Samuel's hiding. Or not Samuel's not. Eli's hiding. But when he knows that God spoke to Samuel, he's got a feeling that this was not good. Listen to what he says. Verse 15. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. That's, that's not a great response, by the way. Not when God has said, throw yourself on my mercy. And Samuel grew Verse 19, this is a summary statement about Samuel's life. So we just heard his story, his origin story of when he first learned to hear God's voice. Here's, here's a, kind of a summary statement about his whole life. Samuel grew, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, that's north to south, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord, somebody who spoke God's truth to the people faithfully. That's what it means when it says his words didn't fall to the ground. And the Lord appeared to him at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by Shiloh, at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Here's what we know. We know that Samuel, these, these two priests, they, 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 they ended differently. Eli started as somebody who heard God's voice, but he went one direction. Samuel learns to hear God's voice and goes a different direction. And the, the trajectory of his life is that he became someone who was known as, as faithfully hearing, discerning, and speaking God's word and God's will to other people. We're told here that, that God appeared to him in multiple ways, that he appeared to him, which possibly means dreams or visions. It also says that God revealed himself by his word, which means that, that he was a, a student of the Hebrew scriptures. He didn't have the New Testament, but he was a student of the Pentateuch and, and all in the prophets and that God spoke to him through there. All right, so here's our takeaway. I, I made a big statement about this matters. What happens to this little boy matters. Let's look back at that. So here's what I said. I said, everything about your life hinges on what happens in Samuel's story. Here's our takeaway for the day. Learning to listen, and then specifically to God, this is what we're talking about. Learning to listen is your lifelong calling. Let's repeat that together. Learning to listen is your lifelong calling. You can write that down. There's lots of L's. Hope you remember it. Learning to listen is your lifelong calling. Here's what I mean by that. And there's an obvious why to that. Because when we give God our hinani, if we were, let's say that, that we believe that this is not just for people in scripture, but this is for the people of faith, how can we give God our hinani if we haven't learned to listen to his voice? We can, and we can only learn to listen if he actually speaks. Here's the question. Do you believe that the creator of the universe 
actually reveals himself in personal ways to individuals, that that, that that happened here and it still happens today, that he hasn't changed, that he's still speaking to people. Well, if that's true, and if our job is to say, here am I, when he speaks to us, well, then learning to listen, that becomes a lifelong calling. We're going to unpack that a little bit. Um, so we're going to look at four words, learning, listen, lifelong, and calling. Let's start with learning. Here's one of the obvious takeaways from Samuel is that recognizing how and when God speaks is not automatic. It's a learned capacity. You see that because Samuel, he, he's hearing something, but he doesn't re- recognize it's God's voice. He thinks it's Eli. That can happen. That's not just what did happen. That still happens. I'm going to suggest to you that God is speaking far more than any of us realize. And the reality is we just don't recognize it's him because our lives are so full. We're 24-7, 365 people. And, and, and life is going so fast. And God is speaking and we don't always recognize it's him. But he grew in that capacity. Interestingly, partly through coaching of someone who had learned to hear God's voice himself. Eli, even though Eli was going the wrong direction in terms of his spiritual relationship with God and his leadership, he had learned to hear God's voice at one point and recognize what was happening. And so he was able to coach someone. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Let's look at the word lifelong. Lifelong means that for the Christian, there is a starting point for learning to hear God's voice. This was, this was the, the, the defining moment where Samuel took some agency in his Christian walk and began to hear God's voice, but there shouldn't be a graduation. You'd never graduate from learning. I mean, come on, we're talking about learning to to hear from the creator of the universe. We're, I mean, we're like ants to a giant. Like learning the ways that he speaks and to discern his voice in the midst of everything going on around us, we don't ever graduate from that. It's a lifelong calling. And so with that in mind, I want to be realistic about what we can accomplish today in a 30, 35-minute message. (laughs) If I had to give myself a little permission to, because I wanted to pack this, this morning with everything that could be said about hearing God's voice or should be said, and I wanted to read all the books, and the reality, this is a lifelong calling. So with that in mind, what I, I hope to do is to whet your appetite, that if you don't think that you hear God's voice, that you would want to when you leave today, or if you do hear God's voice, to want to lean in even closer, to hear him even more regularly, more faithfully, to be able to discern all the little nudges, all the ways that God speaks. I want to whet your appetite. I want to offer a few practical steps, and I also want to address a few points of resistance. Okay, let's look at the word calling. Now, here's where this is really important, because oftentimes the way that that God, we have these stories in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, is that God was speaking to a few specific people who then spoke to others. Prophets, pastors, priests, all the P words. But if what we're talking about is true, God wants to speak to you personally, regardless of your vocation. And that means this is, this is your calling as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus, that you have a calling that's different than whatever you do out there. I don't care what sort of, what, all the things that you identify with, that you, this is my identity, I'm, I, I do this during my work hours, I do this during my vocation, I'm this in my family. All of those things matter. This transcends all of them if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a child of God, that that this is your lifelong calling to learn 
to listen to his voice and to say, here am I, to give him your hineni. It's for every follower of, of Jesus, every child of God. And here's why we can say this with confidence. Because this is the thing that Jesus was, was one of the things that Jesus was very excited about in the final hours leading to his crucifixion and resurrection. As if you look, go back and you read the things that he was saying to his disciples during the final hours of his earthly life, as he prepared for that, he was excited about something. And it was that the, on the other side of the cross and the tomb, he was going to pour out his spirit in all people. Not just putting his spirit on one person who would then speak on his behalf, but he said, I'm gonna put my spirit on all people and everyone will know me. This is the new covenant that, that is spoken about throughout the prophets. The prophets before Jesus came were, were saying this, there's, there's this time coming when God's going to deal with humanity in a different way than he has up until now. It's coming they didn't know exactly what it looked like. They were looking through a, a glass dimly, but they said, it's coming. Let me give you one example. This is Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and house of Judah. That was, that was the whole of God's people at that time. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is, this is what's coming. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and teach his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Do you hear how God's got this plan to deal with the sin that makes us separate ourselves from our creator, that makes us plug our ears and close our eyes? So I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna deal with your sinfulness and I'm also gonna put my spirit within you. Here it says, I'm gonna write my law in their hearts. In Ezekiel, I gave you a couple cross references. I would encourage you to write those down and read those passages. One's Old Testament, one's New Testament. Ezekiel and Hebrews, they talk about how God was putting his spirit inside of people. It's one of the first things Jesus said to the disciples after the resurrection. He said, okay, that part's done now. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah's new covenant was God dealing with the sin that separated people and then speaking to all people, not just one, not just prophets, priests, and pastors, but to all people through the Holy Spirit indwelling each, each person who put their faith in him. Last part, Listen. This is where we need to unpack a few more things. Why do we need to learn to listen? Because it's not automatic. Because although God is speaking, the testimony of scripture and the community of faith is that the, the God of the universe is in fact still speaking to people today, but it's not in the ways that we're used to, to hearing. I read a quote from John Mark Comer this week and he said, he said this way, I love this. He said, well, here's the thing. I don't wake up to an email from God every morning nor do I get a text message from heaven when I need to make an important decision, nor do I hear an audible voice from the sky when I'm feeling confused. And yet God speaks. Pastor Rich Nathan, he said, God speaks in many ways. God is infinitely creative in the ways that he speaks. He speaks through nature. He speaks through dreams at night and visions in the day. He speaks through images and impressions. He speaks through prophetic words and actions. 
He speaks through our consciences, through preaching, through wise counsel, through circumstances and experiences. He speaks through the history of church, through the books that we read, through our minds and our emotions. And he speaks most clearly and infallibly through the Bible and through Jesus, the incarnate word of God. So I want to close with a few just practical things. And, and I'm going to telegraph, because I think this is so important, I'm going to telegraph something that, I, that we're going to move towards in 2023 in the coming year. So first of all, principles and practices. Make space for God to fill, speak, and lead. Make space. If we just go about our lives the way that our culture has taught us to be 24-7 people, always on, always filling our, our eyes and our ears with something, never dialing down and getting quiet and being still, there's a good chance that we're not going to hear the God who's speaking to us. So, you know, we learned that in Samuel's story. We learned that Samuel was, he was in a place where God could speak to him. Some of you are, you're here today for that very reason. You may not have been able to articulate it, but you're here because you, you need to hear from God today. And if God's speaking, you want to hear what he has to say. I've, I've discovered in my own life that if I want to make space for God, I have to be intentional about it. And I actually have to actually plan for it. So for example, for me, one of the things that I've found is that the most important thing that I can do at the beginning of every day is dial myself down and get quiet with my creator, present myself to him and say, here am I. Sometimes I use Samuel's language just as a little breath prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm here. It's the most important thing I can do every single day because it shapes the way I, I spend the rest of the day. Sometimes God speaks in a way that I sense God actually spoke something to me. Sometimes I don't hear anything. Maybe because he was speaking, I was, I don't know. But the fact that I do it is really important. Here's what I've learned though. If I want to do that in the morning, I have to plan for it the night before. I have to, I have to go to bed at a time where I'll be able to get up in time to do that. I have to, I, here's what's true about me. I get distracted. I distract myself so easily. And if I get up and, and I don't have everything all ready to go for the day, I'll do all those things before I do the most important thing. And so I have to do all the little unimportant things that still have to be done. I have to do them the night before. I pack my lunch for the day. I get my backpack out and put it in the truck. I, uh, I, I, make the, I get the coffee already, so all I have to do is turn on and it, and it goes. I get everything ready, pick out my clothes for the next day because I, I wanna make sure that I, I dedicate that time to sitting by the fireplace, being quiet, maybe reading some scripture, maybe journaling, maybe listening to an audio devotion. It doesn't matter. I just need that time. So if you want to hear God's voice, make space. What else? Marinate in God's word. Saw this, that Samuel, one of the ways that God spoke to Samuel was through the word. And this is, here's the thing. This is not only one of the ways that God speaks, but it's also the safeguard that we don't hear things that aren't really God and, and assign divine voice to them. Because here's, here's a way um, Pete Gregg said this. Here's a quote, Pete Gregg. Nothing that God has says in any other way, in any other context, will ever override, undermine, or contradict what he has said in the scriptures. So again, a primary way that God speaks is through his word. It's also the filter where we can run other words through and say, is that God? We'll talk about that in just a second here. 
But what I want to say is, this is a lifelong thing. You will, if you want to walk in this lifelong calling of learning how to hear God's voice, you will need to, in, to have scripture be a regular part of your, your diet the rest of your life. Because the way that God speaks. So what does that look like? There's thousands of ways to do that. You just have to pick one that's right, that's current for the season, okay? It's also possible to, uh, oh, next point. Learning, remember that listening is learned and discerned in community with other Christians. This is really important. Have you ever had somebody say, God told me this? And once somebody pulls, we, we call it around here, we call it the God card. Oh, why'd they do that? Well, they pulled the God card. They told them God said to do it. There's an accountability of, of within the, you know, Samuel actually learned how to hear God's voice by the Christian community. There's an accountability that comes from saying to other believers who are mature, who you trust to also hear God's voice, I think God is saying this. Do you think that sounds right? When we're making decisions when we're, we're hearing God for ourselves or for other people. There's, a, there's an accountability that comes when we share that with others and let them help us discern that. God doesn't just speak to individuals. He speaks to his people. There's a problem because there's a lot riding on that. When we claim to have heard God's voice and to speak that out and say, this is what God's saying, there's a lot riding on that. Let me give you a couple of examples. Over the last 2,000 years since Jesus returned and said, I'll be back, I'll be back, he said. Every few decades, somebody says, hey, God has told me that he's going to come back on this day. And they gather people around them. They gather a lot of people that mock them. But there's a lot of people who, who believe that, and they re- begin organizing their lives around the belief that God is coming back at a specific time. And then when that day comes and goes, people are left devastated. Their faith is undermined. And the, and the unbelieving world is left mocking. And this idea that the God of the universe speaks is mocked. There's a lot writing on this. That's why we need, and, and you know what? If, if the people who did that were also students of the word, they would know that Jesus was asked, when will you come back? And he said, no one will ever know the time or the hour. So as soon as somebody says, God told me it's this day, you know that they're not speaking to you. They may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. <laughs> because Jesus told us that God's not going to tell us that in advance. Jesus said, just be ready. Just live ready. There were high-profile prophets in the time, like Christian prophets at the time of Y2K, predicting that that was going to be global devastation. And, and again, that's one of those things. More recently, we had high-profile prophets, Christian prophets, claiming to speak God's promised outcome for our presidential election. In the wake of that, when it didn't come out the way that they said it was going to because God had said it would, some repented and some said, you know what? I got lost in my own beliefs and hopes and my own politics and my own ego. Some repented and, and, and they, they pulled back from that. Others have, have never stepped back from that. Learning to hear God's voice, it's, we, we should be really cautious with assigning God's name to something. With that in mind, I'll give you a couple last points. Practice humility. Know that we can get it wrong and therefore I would encourage you to get rid of the absolutes. God said, God told me. I th- we've got to remember we can get this stuff wrong. And so I think it's better to use things like, I sense God saying this. 
I, 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 I believe that God's, God's stirring this. What do you think about that? Because we can get it wrong. Sometimes we hear what God says, but we misinterpret the meaning. Sometimes God really is speaking, but we misinterpret the meaning of that, and then we assign divine agency to it. There was a time in my young Christian walk, I, was, I think I was, uh, I was 19, I was a student at BSU, and I was working nights at a bakery downtown, and um, God spoke something to me really clearly, probably the most, one of the most clear times that God has spoken to me. Not in an audible voice, it was the still small voice of God, but it was shouting. Still small voice that shouts. It was really clear. And I thought I knew what that meant. And when the outcome that I expected of what he said didn't come about, it really kind of rocked my spiritual world. It took me a while to know what to do with that. And then for a long time, I just had to hold an open hand going, God, I I really believe that was you, but it didn't pan out. And so I don't know what to do with that. And it wasn't until 22 years later that I understood what that was, what God said and what it actually meant. I had heard him, but it meant something different than I interpreted. I interpreted according to my hopes and expectations. That's how we can get this stuff wrong. We can really hear from God, but we have to have some humility and recognize that we don't necessarily know how to interpret that. Last thing, begin and end with Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago and at many times God spoke in many, and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. This was the old covenant. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also, he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He made the invisible God visible. That's what he just said and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In this book, Pete Grieg, he says, Jesus is what God sounds like. I love that. Jesus is what God sounds like. He's literally the living word of God. Hearing his voice is therefore not so much a skill we must master as a master we must meet. All other ways in which God communicates through the Bible, prophecy, dreams, visions, and so on, come through Jesus and point back to him too. If you want to know what God's saying, if you want to check it, run it through the person of Jesus that we meet in scripture. Um, this book, God spoke to me this week through, uh, through a friend, through Tricia. Um, I was just stumbled into a conversation and uh, Tricia mentioned to me, she's like, you know, I love it a few years back as a church, we went through a book together, the whole church going through the same book. I love that. And at the time I was thinking, how do I say everything that's in here to us on Sunday? How do I pack that into one message? And I walked away from there going, oh God, is that what we should do? This is a whole book. It's called How to Hear God, A Simple Guide for Normal People. That sounds like vineyard, doesn't it? A simple guide for normal people. Like vineyard. Pete Grieg, fantastic author, pastor, speaker, founded the, the uh, 24-7 prayer movement. Um, very credible. He's walked with God for a long time. He bases this whole book on the interaction that Jesus, the whole thing is, a, is a unpacking Jesus walking with the two men on the, the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. And he unpacks how to, all the ways in which God speaks through that thing. So I anticipate that as a church, we're gonna go through this in 2023 then we're gonna make this a series. So don't go and buy this book. 
We actually, I actually, previous to my conversation with Trisha, I tried to get this book in the bookstore so that we could have it available and you could go buy it after church. Um, Rihanna couldn't get it in. She had something else going on this week. Um, <laughs> but I anticipate, we have, a, we have a, a, actually a calendar, a teaching, teaching calendar planning meeting this week, and this, this was gonna be one of my proposals, that as a church, because this is the most important thing. If God speaks... And if that's our highest calling, regardless of our vocation, is to learn how to recognize his voice and respond, then this is worth us spending some time on, right? So I hope that whets your appetite. I hope it makes you want to hear God's voice today and this week. I hope, it, I hope there's some practical things there and maybe some objections were dealt with. But I also hope that you, you come back because we're going to spend some time here. We're going to camp here and just learn how together, how do we learn how to discern God's voice? I'll close with this story. And then we're gonna pray. I started, with, I started with sharing about our Whittier outreach. I'll close with a story from our Whittier outreach. My mom uh, was part of this project, bought a couple pair of boots, she got, got a couple name tags, went and bought a couple pair of boots. She and my dad were shopping. I think they were doing this together. And as she left the store with their boots in hand for the tags that she had, she'd picked up, she saw another pair of boots and they just captured her attention. And she thought, I should buy those. And she thought, no, 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 I've already got my tags and I, you know, I don't know if Rihanna needs those. And so she left, got in the car, and then she just couldn't leave the parking lot. She just knew I'm supposed to go back and buy those boots. Okay, this is the still small voice of God. When people talk about the still small voice of God, this is what it looks like a lot of times. It's this internal thing like, I've got to do this. So she goes and she buys the boots she goes and she calls Rihanna afterwards and says, I already bought the boots. Can you give me a tag for a girl size four or whatever? So Rihanna says, yes, here's the tag. Here's the name. So mom starts praying for this child as well. Mom was one of the, the, the team members that served lunch to the faculty and she got to talk to a couple of the faculty members. And so the same one that showed us the picture of the little girl with the, the flip-flops and socks, mom said, hey, do you know this girl? And she says, oh yeah, I know her. And she said, oh, I got to buy her boots. Can you tell me about her? And she said, oh yeah, she's the most wonderful girl and she's gonna love those boots. They, she needed those boots and those are gonna matter to her. Okay. That's a hineni moment. It's not as dramatic as a burning bush. But that's a hineni moment. That's the invisible God made visible to us, through us. Would you stand? If you can, you don't have to stand if you can't. Be kind to yourself. If you're gathering from home, I know many of you stayed home today because the roads. I encourage you to put yourself at a position of listening. We're just gonna act as if this is true. I believe that if you're here today, I ask you all to stand because this is application for all of us. Because I think if you're here today, there's a part of you that if you're really honest, would love to hear God even if you're a little bit cynical about whether he might speak to you. If he does speak, you want to hear that. So we're just going to dial down. We're not going to fill it with our own words. We're just going to pause and say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. We're going to use Samuel's prayer.
I invite you to close your eyes and take a deep cleansing breath. Let go of whatever's gonna happen after this. That'll come. And just as you wait, just say, come Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Your child is listening. Holy Spirit. your eyes closed. I'm going to share a few things I just sensed from the Lord. For those of you who would say, I don't, I think God might speak to other people, but I don't think he speaks to me. But there's a hunger in you that if you talk about what's true about you right now in this moment, you would love to hear the voice of God and be able to respond with, here am I. God is pleased with your heart. He's a heavenly father who loves spending time with his children. And he has a lifetime of revealing himself to you in front of you. God is pleased with your heart. Some of you might identify with Eli who at one time heard God's voice but was distancing himself because of guilt, shame. God's pursuing you, not in, not in judgment, but in invitation. Jesus' death means that there's forgiveness of sin. Holy Spirit inside of you means there is the, the, the possibility for reconciliation and intimacy. So what does forgiveness and confession look like to you today? Say what you need to say to your creator, to your redeemer. And if you've been leaning away, maybe it's time to lean back in. What's God showing you about how you can make space? How you can arrange your day to make space to listen, 
to be present with your creator? What's he saying? And I think there's some some here, here on in the room, here online, who maybe you identify with the greater congregation of Israel in our story today. That you're cynical because of abuse you've suffered, spiritual abuse you've suffered, or cynical because of people who've claimed to hear God's voice and it turns out it wasn't really God's voice. And I think the question for you today is it's how long are you going to let someone else's failure interrupt your intimacy? God has more for you. As we close today, I'll just give you that that breath prayer. Here am I. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We're going to put some words for prayer up on the screen that our prayer team sensed this morning that a couple of things that God wants to do. These are words for prayer. You, if, if this is for you, you know what it means. A lot of times God speaks in very specific language that that doesn't make sense to everybody else, but you know it when it's you. So if if, if you see yourself in there, if, if one of those words is for you, if you just put your hand up and our prayer team will come and, and find you where you are and just put their hand on your shoulder, pray with you. We've got a hand over here. And a hand over here. Prayer team, if you just, ministry team, those of you who... You don't have to be formal ministry team. If you've walked with God for, for some time and you have the ability to pray with somebody, would you just look for somebody near you? And if you just like prayer because I want to hear God's voice and I want somebody else to pray with me, uh, you're, you're having a Samuel moment right now and you'd like somebody to partner with you in prayer, just put your hand up. And if you're near somebody who's got their hand up, would you just put your hand on their shoulder and just agree with what God's doing? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We got a hand up over here. We've got a hand up back here. We've got a hand up right over here. Somebody can come pray over here. If you're online, you can send in a prayer request or depending on which platform you're on, you can raise your hand. I'm going to invite you to just stay in this place. Uh, formally, we're, we're, uh, we're going to let people go. If you need to go pick up your kids, if you've got plans today, you can slide out and do that. Um, if you're able to, you're welcome to just stay and be, be present in this moment. Pray with one another. Apart from that, I want you to remember that as you go out today, our ushers have these Christmas invites for you. Um, 
take as many as you need. We'll make more. And, um, and let's look forward to 2023. We're going to learn together how to listen and obey God's voice. And I think that's pretty exciting. Go make the invisible God visible. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.